You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Great to praise God together. Uh, Welcome to South Bay Church. We're back at Botanic Gardens today. Um, Welcome if you're uh, new to the group. Uh, This is a new church. We've just started in this location uh, starting in Easter last year. And uh, we're really excited about what God's doing. And we love worshiping God here. It's so cool to worship God in a landfill that was turned into a garden. You know, that's kind of what God does with our lives, isn't it? And uh, so there's kind of a cool metaphorical uh, thing about meeting in this space. And um, unfortunately, uh, this uh, uh, facility is also, well, not unfortunately, but it's a fact. It's a part of the government uh, establishment that we love and serve. Well, I don't know if we love it, but we serve it and we, <laughs> and we pray for it. Uh, but there are some, some meetings that have to take place in here in the month of March. So we're only in here one uh, more day uh, this month, uh, that is next week, and then we'll be here March 8th. But besides that, we're going to be all over the place. So it's kind of a little test to see if you can keep up with us and uh, where we're meeting every week. Uh, but we were at South High last two weeks. That was fun, and uh, it was cool. I know the, the, the students I asked, we have about eight or I don't know how many students that go there that we have a, a lot. Uh, and uh, I asked them, hey, it was a cool meeting here, and they're all like, No. <laughs> We don't like going to South. And they said once we're in the, you know, once we're in the location, in the, the meeting location, it's okay. But they're like, I, I go to school, you know, five days a week. I don't want to go to school again. I get that. That makes sense. But, um, but anyways, uh, it's great to be together. We are doing a, a three-week series called Strong in the Grace. And uh, last week, that was the topic, Strong in the Grace from Second Timothy. If you weren't able to to be a part of it, uh, all of our stuff is on our app, our videos and stuff, uh, and uh, we'll make sure that gets updated. Um, sometimes we get a little behind, but then we catch up, so um, it'll be on there soon if it's not. But, uh, but the series is really about how grace shapes our spiritual identity. It shapes who we are and how we view ourselves and how we operate in the world and uh, how grace makes all the difference. Uh, it's an internal motor it's, it's like the, 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 the fusion that's happening inside your heart that allows you to be used by God. It starts with understanding grace. So it's super important. And uh, we're going to be looking today at 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, the title of the lesson today is uh, Grace to Love. And uh, you can go ahead and be turning there. I'll pray in a minute and uh, we'll look there. I just want to kind of catch you up in case you weren't here last week. Um, so, uh, also, by the way, uh, if you haven't been doing this Read Scripture app that the rest of us are doing, you can still do it, or a lot of us are doing. Uh, again, you might have your own Bible study project that you're doing, but I really am enjoying it. It's called uh, Read Scripture is the name of the app, Read Scripture. And you just put in the, you know, how long you want it to take for the, to get through the Bible in a year, and then it gives you the dates and you get through it. I must confess, I'm a little behind. I, I slipped a little bit. I was, you know, studying other things, had other things going, so I'm, I'm not on the day I'm supposed to be. I'm a few days behind. But it was actually kind of cool. Like last week, um, we talked about grace, and we talked about these two kind of physical manifestations of grace, or two sacraments where, where we really see grace in a physical way. One is baptism, and one is the Eucharist, or communion, or the Lord's Supper. And then I watched the video, like the next day, 
and it was saying that. And it was like these two things, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And I was like, wow, that's cool. I didn't even plan that. That's the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. Uh, so you might have thought that was really clever how I worked that in, but I did not. That was God. Uh, but it's, it's cool just to be able to learn it. Now we're into Leviticus, right? If you're somewhat keeping up, we're into Leviticus. We're, uh, we're into, some are into Numbers. I'm in, still in Leviticus. Sorry, I'm behind. But um, the good thing I like about Leviticus and Numbers, especially, you know, there's parts of it that are a lot of repetition, right? That makes it easy to catch up because you kind of go, all right, you know, okay, I get it. You know, I get it. There's a lot of, you know, repetition because it's, this is a law. So it's like we're reading a law, we're reading, you know, it's literally a law. So we're reading the Israelites' law. So it's like reading a law book, right? I know we, we have a lawyer back there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, law, law might be boring to some, exciting to others. But, you know, it, it, it is a, uh, it's a way for us to, uh, you know, see what the life was all about for them, you know. Um, so, but it's also a good way to catch up because with the repetition you can kind of catch up. But don't miss some of the cool things. Like I noticed uh, reading last week, uh, it talked about different sins. And there was a specific sacrifice that you do for the sin of failure to testify. You know, I was like, I never thought of that as being a sin. Like, if you know something and you keep quiet, here's the sacrifice that you do. Another was if you make a rash oath. You know, you, you vow something and then, oh, I should not have promised that. Here's a sacrifice for that. You know, it's kind of, I never thought about a rash oath being a sin. But there, there are a lot of sins that we can commit. So I'm thankful to have grace, as we'll talk about. Uh, but there's, the, I love the Psalms as well. Like, the, one of the Psalms we read last week, it said, there was this line that I feel like I've never read before in the Bible. I'm sure I have. I've read the Psalms before, but it was Psalm 31. It says, my times are in your hand. My times are in your hand. Maybe it meant more to me because my wife's turning 50 in a few days and uh, I'm turning 50 a whole year later. My times are in your hand. Amen. Okay. So, so last week, last week we talked about being strong in the grace how to be strong in the grace. What do we do to be strong in the grace? Be weak. Kind of weird, right? Not that we try to be weak, but Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We don't like to be weak, do we? Uh, but when we recognize our weakness, that's where God's power, you know, we, we start to grasp grace. And, and it, God's power is made perfect in weakness. And when we surrender to God, we're able to be used by God. And we're able to... To say, like Paul said, there was two things that he was able to say. By the grace of God, I am what I am, Paul said. He had that, that connection to grace where he could be like, okay, I'm real, I'm honest, I'm transparent, I'm open, I'm surrendered. This is me because of the grace of God. And he was able to say, God's grace is sufficient. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. This idea of being weak, uh, we talked a little bit about like how there's so much pressure in the world to perform, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking more about today is that pressure that we feel to perform and to, 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 to produce and to rise above and to, 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 to be you know, on an even par with everybody else. There's this competition going on. We talked about the teenagers. They feel this a lot. And uh, we watched, uh, some of the parents watched a, a video about some of the pressures of social media, and I mentioned that last week, and there was these girls on the video that said they have to take 30 selfies to get one that they use. And I don't know if that's true for all of, all of our teens, but 
I am not skilled in the area of taking selfies, right? And I mentioned that there was a particular selfie that all my family was making fun of me. So I thought I would just show that to you because I'm sure you're wondering. So this is the selfie from New York City. Yeah. So everyone's laughing. So you guys must agree with my parents. Yeah, Jameson, you might notice, you know, now first of all, look, Joanna and 45 others liked it, okay, so it must be good. But then you might notice a comment from my son Jameson, you are a bum. Uh, so as I was reviewing this to share with all of you, I thought, hey, this is an opportunity for me to do some, some training as a, as a father. So I, I posted a reply to... Uh, Honor your father and mother. <laughs> so, so that your life may live long. And uh, hopefully that scripture will find its way to his little heart. Amen? So, uh, strong in the grace, we're going to talk about taking it deeper and talk about grace to love. Grace to love. Uh, we've been talking about love in our Bible talks, so if you're not a part of our midweek Bible talks, we have a Bible talk every other week, uh, and uh, we're going through a book by Francis Chan called Letters to the Church, and it's a great book, it talks about what is life really about, and we talked this last week about love is everything, right? Love is uh, what Jesus said the church would be known for. This is what would define the church is our love, and we got a chance to talk last week a little bit about uh, do we feel, like, just honestly, is there love in our group? Do we feel like this is a loving group? If not, what, what can we change to make it more loving? And I hope you got a good discussion in your Bible talk uh, last week. We had a great discussion in our Bible talk about that. And, you know, it was encouraging. You know, a part of it was, yeah, I do feel like, we do feel like we love each other. You know, we do feel like uh, this is a great, you know, that's what attracted me to the church in the first place was the love that people have for each other. And I feel loved by you guys. And, you know, the thing is that we just get busy and we get distracted and we get caught up in stuff. But then when we're together like this, we remember, yeah, this is awesome. And uh, Dessa brought up the fact that, you know, something kind of cool about our church is sometimes when someone has gone through surgery or they just had a baby or uh, they have a crisis in their life, we'll, we'll do a sign-ups for dinners. And we had this when we had our kids, you know, so we, we would have a baby and then, or when Dessa went through some illness and she had frozen shoulder for two years, uh, you know, people would bring us meals. And, and it's an incredible thing to be the recipient of that. You feel like, oh, I feel guilty that somebody's bringing me a meal. But when you're the one, one bringing it, you feel, it, it, it's enriching, isn't it? It feels like I'm... I'm what, what, what more can you do than meet someone's physical needs? There's something spiritual, spiritual about that. But she said that when she does the sign-ups on CCB, she said, when that email comes through, you better jump on it because all those spots are going to be taken within a couple hours. So, you, you know, people are watching for that coming over CCB. And it's just super encouraging, right, about the group. And uh, so we're going to be talking, though, more about uh, how can love be manifested in our lives uh, in an inner, coming from an inner way, an inner place of grace. And I want to share a sermon that, um, that I listened to this week or a couple weeks ago that really hit my heart. It really convicted me. And so I'm going to pass it on to you. Uh, I want to give, you, give credit. It's by a, a scholar named Tim Keller. And some of you guys might listen to some Tim Keller sermons. But I, I'm trying to grow. I'm speaking every week now. I used to only speak about once a month. And I want to get better at speaking. One, one way that you get better at things is by imitating. 
And, uh, you know, if you're an artist, you, sometimes you imitate the masters and try to learn from them. And, and, or or you, if you're a songwriter, you imitate other singers and songwriters, and then you make your own. So I'm, I, I, that's where I want to continue to grow, by listening to other great communicators. And I consider Tim Keller a great communicator and um, really, very thoughtful. So he did some great uh, analysis of this passage. I won't go quite as long as he did, but uh, I, I do want to share this with you, and I want to give you, you know, give credit that, that this is his sermon, but I'm going to put my own Brian Craig take on it. Make sense? So, uh, so let's pray, and then we're going to look in at uh, 1 Corinthians 13. So bow with me, and let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to get to uh, worship you in song. It's just great singing the words of that song. Appreciate Betty's prayer as well, and uh, just... Um, just how your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's so many injustices in the world still today uh, that we experience or that some experience more than others. I know some of us have been blessed more than others in different ways and life's not fair. And, um, you know, we just want to be a part of, of what you're doing in the world. I know Revelation describes a place where everyone is all together and uh, all nations, all races, all peoples, and we're all there before the throne and worshiping the Lamb. And, and that's what we want to start to create even here. And uh, we pray that you forgive us in our failings with that and, 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 and in our prejudices and in our um, you know, shortcomings or the things we still have to be worked out. But God, we know that in Christ we are one Jew and Gentile, slave and free, and, and, uh, and all the races and all peoples uh, in Christ. It's an amazing thing that you're doing in the world, and we want to be a part of it, God. And we know that what we're going to talk about today is a big part of it, is uh, having grace that allows us to really show love the way that you intended. God, I want to pray for those who are sick, or I pray for Stephanie Williams and her battle against cancer. God, I pray you would give her victory, pray for complete healing of her body. I, I pray for uh, uh, others, Seely, who's sick today, and, and you know, there's a lot of sickness going around. I pray for uh, an end to the coronavirus spreading um, around the world and, uh, and in China particularly. I pray for the disciples who are in China that are part of our church. I pray that they could be able to minister to the people around them. I know we have a huge network of house churches there, and I don't even know how this stuff is affecting them, but I pray for them. I uh, pray for Elaine Johnson and her, her continued recovery. And uh, I know she was trying to make it here today, but uh, the Spirit kept her from being here, God. And uh, just I pray that uh, she can feel our love and be able to be here next week. And um, I pray for Rachel's mom that uh, she continue to uh, just be okay. Father, thank you for the answered prayers even this week. But I, I pray that for the next steps and for you to, to, to make, uh, that you would be her peace. I pray for all the other needs that you know of that I'm forgetting right now. And uh, just bless our time in the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13. It says, If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects 
always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a very famous passage. Probably most everyone has heard it before, or many times possibly. Um, In our culture, in, in America, this is usually, you hear this read at weddings. And usually the response, you know, as this is read at a wedding, everybody that's there is kind of like, oh, you know, isn't that sweet? And uh, I guarantee you that is not what Paul had in mind when he wrote this to the Corinthians. And this is not at all what they thought. When they, when they heard this from Paul, when they read this letter, uh, no one was like, oh, isn't that lovely? And uh, Corinth was a, a, a city not unlike some of our big cities here today, like, like the city of Los Angeles. It was a place of commerce. Uh, it was uh, on a, on a four-mile isthmus. I always feel like I have a speech impediment when I say that word. Isthmus. I'm probably not even saying it right. You know what an isthmus is, right? Uh, between two bodies of water. And so people had to go through Corinth uh, for these trade routes. So it was this place of commerce. And nobody went to... Corinth except to make it, you know, to be somebody. Uh, You you know, it was built from scratch just a few decades before Paul wrote this. So it it wasn't a place with a lot of tradition and old families. It was a place people came there to make it. You know, like New York, New York. If I can make it here, I'll make it anywhere. People come to Los Angeles. People go to New York going, I want to be somebody. That's how Corinth was. And the population of Christians in Corinth was... Unfortunately, reflecting some of their culture, where they are, they are considering their Christianity about being gifted, or about who's who, uh, about who, who am I following, and who has power, and uh, who has the better gifts. Uh, they were incredibly gifted, but Paul is talking about things that they are not. And so this list of, of love, so verse 4 through 7, uh, I didn't know this before now, but Every Greek word that's in that passage right there, Paul has already used in describing to the Corinthians uh, issues that they had, like ways that they were blowing it. He's already used all of these Greek words. So now it's coming to a head and he's saying, this is what love is, all these things that you are not. You know, Paul isn't here just saying, oh, what what should I say about love? It's so lovely, it's this and it's that and it's wonderful. No, Paul is telling the Corinthians, you are so gifted and you're so talented, but your character is lacking. Your doing is great, but your being stinks. Your giftedness is great, but your character is not much. That's what he was saying. Because in Corinth, again, there, there was this idea, and it's true in our culture, of, of the big cities, of being a professional. Right? Think about what it means to be a professional. It means we say, we don't care what your private life is like. We don't care about your private world, you know, your personal life, your innermost heart. You know, professionals seal that off and they go, I am here to perform. I'm here to do my job. You know, I, I push all that aside. I push it all down. I am here to perform. I'm here to, to get the job done. That's what professionals do. And so all the emphasis is on kind of this outer Performance, and that's, that's the mentality the Corinthians had. That's the mentality that, that we can fall into, right, sometimes. And so Paul is going deep here. He's, he, he's speaking right into that culture and saying, I don't care about how rich you are, how successful you are, how talented you are. If you're irritable, if you're impatient, 
if you're selfish, if you're self-centered, if you're self-absorbed, self-pitying, if you're vain, then there's something going wrong inside your heart. You have nothing. Even if you have all these outer stuff, if you have this inner stuff. Don't say I'm the successful person. I just have a few personal details I got to work out. He says, you have nothing. He uses really strong language, doesn't he? You are nothing. Character is everything. And so we're going to talk about what is heart character. We're going to talk about two things that it's not and one thing that it is. Number one, it's not about being gifted. It's not about being gifted. Character is not the same thing as being gifted. Paul says, you can have faith that could move mountains. And all the commentators say, this is not talking about a saving faith, foundational faith in Jesus. It's talking about a a leadership faith. A faith that says, I can, you know, I can do something great. I can motivate people. I can get people to do something that they, they wouldn't ordinarily do. He's talking about the ability to have this infectious vision that catches people and gets something to, to follow. He talks about prophecy, having direct revelation from God. Fathoming the mysteries. You know, somebody who could be a great leader in the church. You could know God's word. You can speak God's word. And yet he says... It could be spiritually for nothing. It could be spiritually nothing. That's challenging, isn't it? Jonathan Edwards, a spiritual philosopher uh, from about 200 years ago, said this, Many bad men have had spiritual gifts. Many will say on the last day, Did we not, you know, Matthew 7, 21, Did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name perform out demons, and cast, uh, perform miracles, and cast out demons, and do all these things? And Jesus will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Matthew 7, 21. So it's possible to have these gifts of the Spirit or gifts of the manifestation of the Spirit, but not the special saving work of the Spirit in the heart, Jonathan Edwards said. He said, gifts, gifts can become the jewels that we carry around rather than true grace in the heart being the jewel, you know, the jewel, that we're treasure in jars of clay that Paul talks about. Uh, you know, that's challenging that, to imagine that somebody could really be used by God in incredible ways and yet there's something wrong in their own heart, right? That's, that's sort of troubling. It's possible to do good deeds in the lives of people and not yet really surrender your heart and your faith and, and your trust and give the throne of your heart to Christ. And people will ask, you know, how is that possible? Why would God allow someone to be used that doesn't have a heart for him? Well, God does that all the time, right? He's, he works through whoever he wants to work through. And if, and if he's bringing about his purpose and his mission in the world, which is to bring as many as possible to him. God, God can use and choose anyone. But for me, personally, I want to go, I don't want to mistake gifts for grace. I don't want to mistake gifts for grace. How does this happen? Uh, Tim Keller gives this illustration. He says... Uh, you know, imagine you have a man who hates his mother. He has a horrible relationship with his mother, and that has manifested itself in his life in all kinds of ways. You know, it, uh, it's distorting his character, his relationships with other women. Uh, and he describes it as a ground note of, of self-pity that permeates his whole life. So a, a base note. So a base note, if you think about a, a low base note, I don't know if you can hear that, but Low notes, this is the lowest note my keyboard can play, but there's a lot lower notes. But when they're, when they're really low and really resonant, you feel them more than even hear them. You know, they're, they're really deep. They're really, 
And so Tim Keller describes that, that this guy has a, a bass note, this low bass note that just permeates all of his thinking. So, you know, no matter what's going on, this, this part of his heart's always saying, nothing ever goes well for me. You know, that's how it is for me. Because of what she did to me, what my mom, you know, did to me or whatever, there's just, I never had this, I never had that. It just, it, it tempers every experience, right? But you say that that person becomes a Christian, he does that hard work of getting rid of that, that low, you know, resonance, right? And, and, and really understanding God's love, he finally has the, the sense of emotional wealth to, to admit things about himself, to, uh, to, 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 to recognize what kind of a self-pityer he is. It's not about my mom. It's about God, right? And, and he can be transformed from the inside out and get rid of that. But what can happen if that kind of guy is also really talented, he's really gifted, you know, next thing you know, he's using his gifts and he's serving and everybody assumes he's doing great with God, but that thing is creeping back in, Right? And so he's doing these things in the outer self, but the inner self is not, ha- it's not experiencing transformation. And, uh, you know, that has definitely been me before. And, and it's definitely, uh, I've experienced that where I'm, I'm, I'm doing, th- I'm, it's about what I'm doing. I'm hiding behind the good things I'm doing for people. Ask yourself that. You know, look at yourself, everybody here. You know, am I hiding behind the good things I'm doing for people? The things people say, oh, you helped me so much. Because Paul's saying you, could, you can be super talented, but not have grace on the inside. Underneath, you're joyless. Or, or, or you're always feeling slighted. Or your ego is not changing. Um, you're impatient, you're irritable, you're harsh, you keep a record of wrongs. You know, th- this is a tough question to ask, right? Look out. It's so natural for us to mistake gifts for grace. It's not about being gifted. Secondly, it's not about being good. Paul gives us another list here in verse 3. He says, suppose you give all you have to the poor, or surrender your body to the flames. You you die for your faith. So Paul's listening now to a a different voice. He's speaking to a different idea. Because there's people who say, oh yeah, you're right. It's not all about giftedness. It's not all about success and leadership and, and you know, the ability, the glitz and the, you know, the the big stuff. It's really about devotion. It's really about, uh, you know, moral, having a moral code of ethics. And, 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 And Paul says, no, that's not it either. That's not it either. Because here there's no talents, it's moral, it's virtuous behavior. It's, it's a list of, uh, if you look at uh, Aristotle's list of, of moralities, you know, uh, generosity, social conscience, uh, Paul is, is speaking to that morality and saying, no, that's not even it. Even for this moral integrity, you can, and you don't have love. But here he doesn't say, uh, you are nothing, he says you gain nothing. Paul's going deep here. Because we're still not, even if you talk about moral behavior, you're still not down at the heart level. Behaviors can be done for different reasons, right? And Paul is getting at the heart motive. It's incredible to be, it's possible to be incredibly virtuous, sacrificing time, sacrificing money, sacrificing even your life, and yet still it gained nothing. Isn't that crazy? Uh, in the book Pride and Prejudice, uh, there's a, uh, just to get at this idea of, of kind of motivation, 
there's these different sisters. And uh, there is a, the middle sister of five Bennett sisters is named uh, Mary. And Jane Austen says, you know, she, she's kind of the most Christian of the, of, the, of the group. And she's always lecturing people about their Christian duty and what they should be, uh, how they should be living. And, and, but Jane Austen, in the voice of the narrator, says this, kind of sardonically, Mary, in consequence of being the only plain one in the family, worked especially hard for knowledge and accomplishments of which she was impatient for display. It gave her a pedantic air and a conceited manner. You know, Jane Austen's saying that she, when she's lecturing people, when she's trying to point people to, to Christian values, it's not really about those values. It's not really about truth and honesty and love for God and love for the others. It's really about herself. She feels like she's inadequate. She feels like she doesn't count. She feels her own pain, and so she's trying to, you know, she feels average. So this is a way of kind of feeling better about herself. And, and, and we can all do that. We can all go, okay, I'm doing things that are right so that I feel okay about myself, so that God will love me, or so that others will, 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 will see in me an example of Christ. Or, you know, our motivation can cannot be this inner love, right? It can be for these other reasons. And, and so how do, how do we know if it's about you? How do we know if it's, if you're doing, you know, this is about God and other people or if it's about me? Well, that's where we have this description of love, right? We have the list of all these things. Uh, and it doesn't say love doesn't murder, you know, love doesn't rob banks, love doesn't rape. You know, it, it goes deeper, doesn't it? It goes deeper. It goes into who you are in private. The subtle, you know, the, 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 the inner deep person. Are you impatient with people? Are you harsh? Are you vain or self-centered? Uh, always getting your feelings hurt. People in private, you know, people who know you in private can see it, you know, when it's about you. And, uh, and he says, real love does not give up. Do you give up? Do you give up on people? Do you give up on God's plan? It's some, some, some difficult and deep stuff. Now, for me, when I, when I hear this or when I think about this, it's easy for me to get into paralysis of analysis. Of why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, I, I, did I return that phone call because I feel guilty and, you know, our social construct or is it because I love that person? Or, you know, <laughs> you know or am, I, am I taking this person something who's sick because I want them to think I'm a good person and I want to be a good example of a minister? And it's not, am I, or is it really because, you know, you can just get kind of caught up in this paralysis of analysis. And that's not what I'm proposing. And I don't think that's good for any of us. But I think what it is about, it's not about being gifted. It's not about being good. It's about being graced. It's about understanding grace. When we understand grace, it's, we're not doing things from a sense of emptiness. I want to I feel full, so I'm going to do these things. We're doing it from a sense of fullness. Even the things that we think of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, I've got to deny myself. I've got to carry my cross. I, gotta, you know, I want to have quiet times consistently and spend time with God. I want to share my faith with others and, and be consistent with that. I want to have discipling times and, and share my life with others and have them share with me and be humble. And You think of the things that we, that we do. I want to serve the poor. I want to volunteer for Beacon Light and help out. I want to bring this person dinner. All these things that we do, we can easily do them from a sense of wanting to fill ourselves up and those things won't fill us up. 
And Paul is saying you got to do this from a place of, of being full yourself, of, of understanding God's love for you first, and then that overflowing into these things that we do. And it's a decision we can make. I really believe it's a decision we can make to set our heart. Why do I believe that? Well, earlier in the passage, and Tim Keller didn't really get into this, but this kind of blew me away a little bit. Uh, earlier in the book, in the book of Corinthians, Paul is kind of framing how he views everything. And he says in 1 Corinthians 2, So it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except what? Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and with trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of whose power? The Spirit's power. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Think about that. Just take a minute and, and, and read that over again to yourself as I take a drink of water. <laughs> and, uh, you know, think about this in terms of what we talked about last week and what we've been talking about today when it comes to love. You know, there's so much that illustrates what we've been talking about, right? And we don't, <clears throat> we don't have time to really dig into it thoroughly. But Jesus says it's all about, I mean, Paul says it's all about the cross. And when he's giving this list of love, he's not, what defines love, <clears throat> he's not talking about, you know, a bunch of character traits that we need to try to implement. You know, another list of things that we need to do. Okay, I got to be more patient. Okay, now I got patient off the list. Now I got to work on being kind. You know, okay, well, I'm doing well and patient and kind, but keeping a record of wrongs, I'm still doing that. So now I'm going to work on that. That's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to paint a person, a picture of a person, a person who has been transformed. You can't do this yourself. You can't have this kind of love from within yourself. You can only receive this kind of love and pass it on. You can only receive this kind of love from God and pass that on to someone else. Everything in the, the, the Greek in that list of love is strikingly a set of verbs. It's not um, adjectives. It, it's love suffers a long time with patience. Love shows kindness. Love does not burn with envy. Love does not get inflated with its own imper- importance. Love is never rude and ill, Ill rather. Rather, love joyfully celebrates truth, gives all kinds of support, never loses faith, never exhausts hope, never gives up. This person of love, nobody defines it more than Jesus. Right? If you think about him on the cross. And that's why Paul says, I just put all my focus on Jesus and him crucified. Jesus on the cross. You know, you think about suffering, uh, having patience. I mean, Jesus suffered, didn't he? Showed incredible patience. You think about not keeping a record of wrongs. Jesus hanging on the cross saying, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. You know, if, so, so the thing to do is if you're, if you're struggling, if you're getting angry and spiteful and impatient uh, with other people and you're, you know, you're having a hard time forgiving others, you look at the cross and you go, how can I be impatient? How can I be spiteful? Look what Jesus did for me. How can I be proud? How can I think I'm better than this other person when I look at the cross and look at what Jesus... So it brings you low, right? It brings you low. I I can't be proud. I'm nothing. God, look at my sin. But it also lifts you up when you look at the cross because you go, 
how can I be emotionally needy? How can I need uh, affirmation from people? Look what God did for me. Look how Jesus loved me. The Son of God died for me. So that's the key, is, is to focus on Jesus, focus on his love, focus on the cross, understand his grace that comes through his blood, through his body and his blood. And that allows you to have this kind of generosity and patience and the whole package of love to others is coming from grace. Does that make sense? And this is something I, you know, I need on a daily basis. I have to reorient, reorient myself. Not, not get paralyzed, okay, I'm not going to do anything if I'm not doing it with the right motives. No, it's just starting with that, uh, understanding that love that God has for me, understanding God's grace for me and allowing that to then flow through me to others and have this kind of love, this 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love. And figure that out for yourself. You know, some people here have been Christians a long time, but you might have, your Christianity has maybe has become kind of all these things that you do and not who you are, not the way you think about yourself, the way that you view your walk with God. And you're kind of going through the motions. And how do you know? Because there's times of testing and then, oh, the the selfishness rears its ugly head. The, the, the frustration with others or the, the irritability or the, the, you know, the pride. And then you go, oh, wow, I got to do some deep work of getting back connected to God. There's others of you here who, you know, you haven't given your life to Christ yet. You know, you're kind of waiting. You're thinking, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can be that. I don't know if I can live that kind of life. It's a lot. It's hard. What if I try it and then I quit? You're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at all these behaviors you can't do it. Instead, you need to look at the cross of Jesus and say, God, God died for you because you can't do it. And so the starting point is grace. The starting point is accepting that grace and giving your life and surrender as a response. Uh, the Bible talks about being re- repenting of your sin and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. All your sins are washed away. But not, this isn't some work that you do Jesus says, the work that you have to do in John, the book of John, he says, what is the work? To believe in the one who was sent. To trust, to go, okay, I can't do it, and I give you control. I give you control, Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to, to make that decision, to surrender to Christ. You know, it's a struggle sometimes. We have to continue to wrestle our own selves back off the throne of our hearts. But I encourage you to, to, to make that decision. As we take communion right now, to, to, to again, surrender uh, your, your heart to Jesus. And that will flow into a life of love. We can only live a life of love if we start with being graced. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you to be able to uh, remember Jesus' body and blood right now in this tangible, physical way. I know he really is that person of love. That, you know, he was patient. He was kind. He didn't boast. He wasn't proud. He, he, didn't, he wasn't rude. He wasn't self-seeking. He kept no record of wrongs. But he trusted in you. He was faithful. He persevered. He was just that person of love that we want to be and we can't be on our own. You know, there's no way we can be like Jesus without your grace and uh, you transforming us from the inside out. And I pray that you would bring about that transformation. I pray that we can surrender ourselves to you again and uh, allow you to live through us and to do your will in us and to lead us by your Holy Spirit. And for those who haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus, I pray, God, I pray you'd speak into their heart and that they would choose to, to investigate more uh, and take steps towards, towards Jesus and towards following him and, and, and learning more about him and living out what he said to do 
and who to be in our lives. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.